page 10, Brachas, the fourth line from the top. Hani Beryene, these mafiosi, David Bishavusi, the Rabmeyer, who lived in the neighborhood of Rabmeyer, Rabbi Kamatzada, Leituva, and they caused him tremendous uh, aggravation. Pleaded mercy, begged mercy. <laughs> what a contradiction! There ever was one. He asked. He says he prayed for mercy that they should die. Mm-hmm. It sounds harsh, not merciful, but actually he was doing them a favor uh, because he says we learned earlier. Remember that a Russia, when a Russia has it good, why? It's really actually because Hashem hates him. And therefore, Hashem is paying him for the few good deeds that he's done, that he did in his life. He pays him in this world. So he was actually doing him a favor that they should die so they would be able to ultimately receive a, a reward in the world to come. You know, to receive their, their uh, reward for their good deeds in the world to come. So he asked Rachmanes, he pleaded that they should die. So his wife, Rameh's wife, Berudia, was the daughter of Rabbi Chalafta ben the she was a very special woman. She was a scholar. And uh, she, so his wife told Rabbi Meir, Why are you thinking? It says, David says, that the wicked one, the sinner, should come to an end. Does it say sinners? Sin should come to an end. Not sinners, right? In addition, Shabbat will say, they can go to the end of the verse. There are no longer any Rishoyim. Since there no, there's no more sin, there are no longer any sinners. So you don't pray that they should die. Pray that, that, that they should repent. So he took his wife's uh, advice to heart. He, he pleaded for mercy. They should do tshuva. They should do tshuva. And, he, he, and it was successful. They actually returned true. So even though a person has freedom of choice, how can you pray for your friend to do true? But that's the power of prayer. The power of prayer is that Hashem can help. Even though it says everything is in your everything is in the hands of Hashem except fear of Hashem. Only you have the freedom of choice. But Hashem can help you. There are many ways Hashem can help. So when you pray for someone that he should do teshuva, you care about someone enough that he should do teshuva, you see it was effective. It does help. It doesn't take away their freedom of choice, but Hashem will, will give them that extra strength or that extra help that they need. Even though we find in Tehillim that David did pray, capital Koftes, David prayed for the downfall of wicked people. He very harsh and very severe. So David himself prayed. But it, but it could be it's different. There's certain people that are so wicked. David knew, recognized it was so wicked. Like your mother says about Elisha. Elisha, Elisha had the beers attack the people who criticized him in Jericho, in Yericho. And it says he looked at them and he realized, he looked at all their descendants at the end of time and saw that there's, there's no moistness of, 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 of mitzvahs or anything holy in them. They were completely evil. So if a, if a person is completely evil, then it's another thing. Also, chatoyim. You know, just like you have a difference between a comedian and a comic, right? A comedian is someone who does comedy, but most comedians we know are the most depressed people in the world. A comic, is his whole essence is comedy. You take one look at him, you start cracking up. There are people who are sad, there are people who are so depressed, you take one look at them, you start crying. There are people who are chatoyim, their whole essence has become identified with their sin. So it's a rare individual. So such a person, David HaMelech, cursed out and attacked. But, but other than that, you should pray that they... Um, 
they should do, they should stop sinning. This heretic uh, uh, told Berudia, Rameir's wife, see what says Rodney, I caught a loyal that the, uh, the, um, the woman who couldn't give, who couldn't have any children, um, is singing loyal she didn't have any children. Because she doesn't have children, why is she singing? So she answered him, Shatia, fool. Go to the end of the verse. That there are many more children of those who, the Jewish children, who came, who come from Yerushalayim that was devastated. When Mashiach will come, it's referring about Mashiach will come and the Jews will return to Yisrael. There will be many more of the children of the sons who, who had to run away or in exile or devastated from those who had it good in the time of exile. In other words, she's no longer an Akara. In the beginning, she started out as an Akara. She couldn't have any children. But then Hashem blessed her. Mashiach will come. It's as if she gave birth. So what does it mean, Akara? If she does have children and she is singing, she does have children. So why is she called Akara? Because she didn't give children who will, who will go to Gehenim, who will go to hell, have a cycle like you. She's Akara. She doesn't have that, those type of children she doesn't have. But uh, she has children that will merit and uh, will experience the uh, experience of Mashiach. The heretic said to Rabbi Vua, it says, It says that David the Melo sang when he ran away from Nafshalom. And he sang when he had to hide from Shol in the cave. Hey, Mice have a Which came first, historically? First, he encountered Shaul. The story with Avshalom happened at the end of David's life when, life when Avshalom rebelled, rebelled against him. Right. This is the story of Shaul, that Shaul, the king, his father-in-law, tried to kill him and he was hiding in the cave. That happened in the beginning of his life. So why is that in capital 56? And, uh, and the story of Avshalom is capital 3. What kind of order is that? You, the heretics who don't uh, don't interpret the uh, when two things in the Torah are near each other, it's coming to teach us something. So you have a question. You think the Torah is written historically, but to us, the Torah is coming to teach us by its juxtaposition. It's not a question, because I'll explain to you why David uh, Melech put this capital in the beginning. How do we know this idea that we'd learn things from? Things from its proximity, things that are near, near each other. The things that are close to each other are done with emes and, and yosher, straight, there's a reason. So, why does Kapitel uh, Gimel, which is the story of Avshalom, David is singing after the whole story of Avshalom and the rebellion, why is that placed right after Kapitel uh, Beis, the second Kapitel, which discusses the, the ultimate battle of Goy A person will tell you, how is it possible that a servant should rebel against his master? Like, it's inconceivable. How is it possible the nations of the world are going to rebel against Hashem? It's not believable. Is there a son who rebels against his father? Yes, it does make sense, but it happened. The story of Avshalom. So if that happened, believe it that one day when Hashem says that the Goyim are going to rebel against Hashem, that it's going to happen. Hmm.
Lucky mother right I'm not being from 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 me I the same as in the pasuk pia pascha bechacham it's yeah, the end of Proverbs, last chapter in Proverbs, we say every Friday night, she opened her mouth in wisdom and the tide of kindness is on her lips. Who did Shlema say this possibly? Who's who Shlema referring to? David lived in five worlds, meaning he went through five different stages. And each of these stages, he said Shira. That's what it means. Pia, Pia, its mouth opened with divine inspiration and, and sang a song. The first step of a person is, and David is representing all of us. So the first step of a person is Darbi Me'imai. The first step is, when you come into this world, you're in your mother's womb. And he sang, he sang for, for that stage. As it says in Tehillim, Baruch Hashem I'm sorry, Vamashira, but Barchi Nafshi is Hashem, Bechol Kerave, Hashem Kotche. My soul sings to Hashem, Bechol Kerave, my whole insides, when he's in the inside, when he's living in the inside of his mother, he's praising Hashem and singing Hashem. Yatzel Avadel, and then he goes to the next stage of life, when you're born and you enter into the world, when Estaka Bechavim Azolus, and he took one look at the stars and the constellations, Vamashira, he burst out singing, Shnemar, Barchu Hashem Malachov, the angels. Praise Hashem, Gibbeidi Koyach, who are strong. Baruch Hashem calls above, and all the stars praise Hashem. Then the third stage is Yonak, when he started nursing, and he was looking at his mother's breast, and he also sang. My soul sings to Hashem, praises Hashem. And I don't forget all those with the kindness of me. So my call also comes from the word to nurse. So what was he praising? What praise was he singing? That unlike animals, animals, its tits are in the back. But here, by, by, by humans, the breasts are, are on top. Why? Time of my, I'm going to put this, so you shouldn't look at the, in, it, it, it's immodest, it's immoral. If it would be on the bottom, like the, by, by the animal, then the child would be looking, uh, looking at a place that you shouldn't be looking at. And that's why he burst out singing, praising Hashem for how, how, um, how he made, how he created the human being. It would be disgusting that the nursing from the same place where where all the um, where the body eliminates the animal eliminates all all, all its waste and the person eliminates all his waste. Because uh, that, that's stage number three. Stage number four. When he saw the downfall of the wicked, he, he sang Hashem. Like we learned earlier, once the wicked or the sinners or the or the sin is removed from the earth, then he bursts out singing. And then he looked at the day of death, and he said, he sang to Hashem, you're great, you have enclosed yourself in, in, in wrapped yourself in, in beauty. My mashmah, how do you know this verse is referring to the day of death? At the end of the passage, at the end, it says, it continues there, you hide your face, and it causes a commotion. You, you gather their soul, you go in, and they pass away.
So he's, he's praising Hashem for all the stages of life, from conception, from when the baby starts, starts in the mother's womb, all the way to the end of life. He used to be present in front of Shimon and Levi. And used to organize and say the Agadatha before Rabbi Shimon Levi. He said to him, What? It says in the Pasuk, My soul praises Hashem. My whole insights. Praise Hashem's holy name. Take a look and see that Hashem is not like a human being. A human being. He shapes a form on the wall. It's dead. There's no life. It's lifeless. It's soulless. He can't give, give him a stomach and an intestines. Hashem is not like that. Hashem is an artist. He makes, he makes an art. He, he forms a shape within the shape. And he places in this, in this shape, he puts a soul, a spirit. Intestines, stomach. That's what Chana said. Ain't Kaddish Kashem, there's no one as holy as Hashem, ki ain't Boltecha, there's no one like you, ain't Sur Kalekenu. And there's no one like Hashem. What do you mean, ain't Sur? There's no, literally, it means there's no, like Hashem is our rock. Ain't Sur Kalekenu, ain't Sayer Kalekenu. There's no artist like Hashem. Hashem is an artist. But his, his art is, is alive. My, what does it mean, ki ain't Boltecha? Why does it, does it repeat it? There's no one holy like Hashem, and there's no one like you. Don't read. There's no one besides you. That that the, the human being, the things that we create, our handiwork, will outlive us. But Hashem will outlive his 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 handiwork. He said to him, What I'm asking you is, my question to you is, We find in the Tilim five times Why did David Amel say, My soul blesses Hashem five times? So he answered him, and He only said it five times. Because it corresponds to Hashem and corresponds to the Nisham. Ma Kadosh Baruch Hu. There are five things where the soul corresponds to Kadosh Baruch Hu, to Hashem. Ma Kadosh Baruch Hu. Malikaloi lamdras like Hashem fills all the world. Af Nisham Malay is kolaguf. He's telling us something very powerful that we are a parallel to Hashem. We are a reflection of Hashem. Everything that happens in this world is really a reflection of Hashem. So he says, just like Hashem fills all the world, the exact same way we fill, the neshama fills the body, the exact same way. Just like Hashem, you can, He sees, but we can't see Him. So to our soul, we see our soul. And our soul sees, but we can't see our soul. No one has ever seen this soul. 
Ma Akadur Baruch, who's on his Kalil Kuliashem, nourishes the whole world. Afna Shamas, or to the Shamas on his Kalil. It feeds, it feeds the body, it gives energy to the body. Ma Akadur Baruch, who toy, just like Hashem is pure, Afna Shamataira, then the Shamas pure. Sits in the innermost chambers. Sits in the innermost chambers. This corresponds to the five levels of the soul: nefesh, ruach, neshama, The first level is it fills fills the world, and um, uh, the next level is you see, but you it sees, but but it can't, it's not seen, and it nourishes, it gives energy. And then it's pure, that's the Chaya and the Yechida, that's the, in the chamber of chambers. So, Yavoy, Mish, Yeshbech, Mishadvaramalolu. So, a person who has these five levels of the soul corresponding and parallel and reflecting the five levels of Hashem, Vishtabach, and he should praise, Mish, Yeshbech, Mishadvaramalolu. In other words, it's a very personal. Borchin Nafshis Hashem means that, like, from my flesh, I see God. It's personal. It's your own experience. It's not something foreign to you. From your own personal experience, you can extrapolate, and that's the deepest knowledge. That's the greatest knowledge. That's a very personal praise, because I experience it personally. You've never seen your soul, and yet you're more certain of your soul than anything in the world that you see. So too, even though you've never seen Hashem, you're more certain of Hashem than anything that you see. what have I it says in the Pasuk, Mika Chochom, Umi Yedeya Pshar Dover. Mika, in other words, it means, Mika Kodesh Baruch, who is like Hashem, Shi Yedeya Lasses Pshar Dover, Mishne Tzadikim, who knows how to reconcile these two Tzadikim, Chizkiel Yishaya. Chizkiel, the king, Omar, Lesu Yishaya Gaboy, Yishaya, the prophet, should come to me. Elio, the prophet, went to the king Achav. In other words, that's the respectful thing to do. The king, you have to respect the king. So it wasn't, it wasn't standing in honor. It wasn't just a question of ego, arrogance. Oh, you come to me. I'm not going to come to you. A king can't forgive on his honor. It's his obligation. He's the king. So even the prophet has to appear in front of the king. I don't have a right to forgive him my honor and to go see Yeshaya. Yeshaya says, no. Chizkiya should come to me. We find by Yehoram ben Achav. Yehoram, when he went to war together with, Ye- with Yeshafat, they went to war against the, the Moabites. The Ozel, they went, the Gabi Elisha, they went to Elisha, the prophet, to ask for a blessing if, if they will be successful. So he says, we see that he has to come to me. So therefore, each one stood in Saron and, 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 and they never met. <laughs> Hashem wanted them to meet. So what did they do? Hashem intervened. Mm. Divine intervention. What did he do? He brought pain and, and suffering and chizkiyo, illness. And Hashem told Yeshayah, now you have no choice. You have to do a mitzvah. You have to visit the sick. So go visit uh, King Chizkiyo. He was on his deathbed. He was dying. He became so sick. Deathly ill. 
the son of Amitanovi, the prophet came to him, put your house in order, your things, you're going to die, you're not going to live. Why does he have to repeat it twice? You're going to die, you're not going to live. You're going to die in this world, you're not going to live in the next world. I'm really Michael, what did I do? Why am I, why am I being punished? Chizkiah was a righteous person. He was worthy of being Mashiach. He was so righteous and holy. Why, why, am I, why am I deserving? He was a young person at the time. Why am I dying? And why are you telling me I'm not going to have a share in the world to come? What did I do? Because he didn't refuse to get married. He was single. And he never had this discussion before. Because since Yeshayas and, and, and King Chizkiah remained apart, they never met. Now was the first opportunity he had to tell him and to rebuke him. He says, I'm a lay. So Chizkiah responded, you know why I'm not getting married? There's a reason I'm not getting married. It's intentional. Because I saw by divine inspiration, I'm going to have children who are wicked. And indeed, who did he have? He had Menashe, King Menashe, one of the three kings, Jewish kings, who will not, who will not be resurrected. He was so evil and wicked. So Yeshaya Navi answered, The secrets of the Torah, it's none of your business. Even though you know the secret you, you, by divine inspiration, you have to do what Hashem asks you to do. How Hashem runs this world is none of your business. You have to do and do the best that you can. Success in children is not always dependent on you. You can give them the best education and they can have the best environment. But, you know, it's, it's in Hashem's hands and He has His choice, freedom of choice. That's none of your business. You have to do your responsibility. You have a mitzvah in the Torah to have children, to raise a family. That's your responsibility. Whatever you are told and commanded to do, you must do. Whatever Hashem will do, it's his business. Now, have a Give me your daughter. You I'll marry your daughter. You put them to the test. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. So good. Give me your daughter. Maybe I'll, uh, it'll cause my schus and, and your schus together. Maybe it will help to avert the decree. So he said, right, so maybe we'll, we'll have children. But it didn't help, by the way. Menashe was so wicked that he murdered his grandfather, Yeshaya Hanavi. He murdered him. Alive. Killed him. I wonder if he didn't want to give his daughter. <laughs> so, Abale, he says, so Yeshaya says, what, what are you talking about marriage? Prepare for the funeral home. I mean, it's already a decree. You're dying. Abale said to him very sharply, Ben Amites, he referred to Yeshaya, son of Amites. Don't forget, Yeshaya was, Chizkiah's, was, they were relatives, they were cousins. Because Yeshaya was the son of Amoitz, right? And Chizkiah was the grandson of Amatia. Amatia, Achaz, and, and yeah. so it was, it was like his, his second cousin. So he's telling him, the same tradition that I had, you should have also received. Kalein of leave it, end with your prophecy. And leave. This is what I heard from my grandfather in the house of our, our grandfather. Meaning all the, all the way, ultimately, all the way from David Amalekh. Even if a sharp sword is on your throat, you're a second away, and there seems to be nothing in the world that can stop you. 
Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Hashem can still help. Salvation can still come. Mm-hmm. So why do you tell me I'm going to die? I, I, I refute that. Absolutely. I'm not giving up hope. They both said, Even when I'm dying, I'm being killed. You have to read loy, even though it's written loy. With Allah, loy to him, I, I have faith. That's exactly what happened. He says he, he prayed and he was given more life than before. He was given, I think, another 15 years. And he got married, and he had his son. Okay. On the next page, even if the master of dreams comes and reveals to you and tells you tomorrow you're going to die, don't just prepare um, your shrouds, but the, the, don't don't uh, hold yourself back from praying to Hashem, begging for mercy. That even with, with all these dreams, have fear of Hashem, think and pray to Hashem. Miyad immediately, he turned his face to the wall, and he davened to Hashem. My kid, even though we learned earlier, we learned from this, the halacha, remember? We learned earlier that... that, that um, the separation between when you're No davening. separation, right? When you daven, very good. But still, he uses the, he, there are many words for, for wall. Since he uses the word kir, so he also learns out from it, my kir, from the depth of his heart. It was a dead, genuine prayer, from the depth of his heart. When you're dying, that prayer is the most powerful prayer you can imagine, from the depth of his heart. My whole insides from the depth of my heart. There are many levels in the heart. This is from the deepest level of the heart. That he, he mentioned uh, the story of the kid. What do you mean? The woman, Shunamis, who uh, hosted, um, who hosted um, Elisha. She only made like one kid. And in that merit, he says, but not even though her son died, you resurrected her son. He covered all the walls of the temple with silver and gold. In other words, he was reminding Hashem that merit and that merit give me life. So then he continues. Remember how I went before you, who believed Shalom with a complete heart. I did everything that's pleasing in your eyes. What does it mean? What was he referring to? That he always made sure, as we learned earlier, he davened in time that he should daven vasikin. So he davened, he said, Shema, before sunrise, and immediately by sunrise he was able to daven. So that merit. You should, uh, you should, uh, it should go to my account, and you should give me life. Levi says, He hid the book of, of healing. There used to be a book of healing where they can cure all your ailments. Very powerful book. Some say that Moshe Rabbeinu gave it to them. Some say that uh, the angel taught it to them, and they wrote it down. Noyak, um, I think. And, you know, all the, there are different opinions who wrote this book of, of Rufus. And they had it till his day in 80. It was, you didn't have to go to the doctor. You went, you looked at this book, which herb to take, and you were cured of all your ailments. And he hid this book. Why would he hide this book? Why would he this deprive? Why would he deprive? No. Why did he hide? 
the, ra- the rabbis learned, Shisha the Vadim Asa Chizkiyam Melech, Chizkiyam Melech did six things, Al-Gimel Hoideloi, and three things, they praised him. Al-Gimel and three things, Loi Hoideloi, they did not praise him. Al-Gimel Hoideloi, gonna say for the force. They, they praised him because he was afraid that people would, would forget about Hashem. You know, any illness that you have, you just go to this book and you he miraculously cured and you, you, you don't pray to Hashem. Hashem didn't want to put Philip out of business. Uh, uh, <laughs> he also destroyed the Nechas and When there was a plague in the desert and in the, in the book of Numbers, the Hashem sent the poisonous snakes on the Jewish people and to save them, Moshe um, um, made a snake made of copper, any uh, image of a snake, and they looked at the image, and they were cured. And this was, and this they kept all these years. And, uh, but then he decided to destroy it, because it became like an idol. And they, and they praised him for that. When his father, Achaz, died, instead of giving him honor of a king, instead of on a bed of silver, gold and silver, he put him on a simple bed of ropes, to, to, to shame him, to atone for all his terrible sins that he caused such terrible sins amongst the Jewish people. So they praised him for that. But on three things, they did not praise him. One, he stopped at Megichin, you know the waters, and I don't know if you've been to Yishlaim, you walked through those waters, you went there? David, yeah, yeah, you walked, you walked in the waters there? I wanted to do the waters oh. there, but... Uh, okay, that's next time. Yeah, next time. And next summer with Chabad Aprisai trip to Israel or next time he wins the he wins the in Yerushalayim Yerushalayim there's, a, there's a, the, 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 the famous water that uh, Job found and, and, and uh, um, uh, that uh, Yoya found and they were able to enter Yerushalayim from it and, uh, and he closed the water they were not happy he tried, the reason he closed the water was to deprive it for the enemy. The enemy lay siege to Yerushalayim. So he wanted to deprive the enemy of the water, so he, so he closed the water. And it was hidden for thousands of years until, until they found it. On, only recently they reopened it. Um, Kitsis, they closed down. No, no, I'm sorry. In, 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 times, of, oh, in the times of Esam English, was that the water they used? Or that was a different water? Okay, for the... For the this occurred at the time of the Sennacherib. Sennacherib. Well, and they closed down, and, and they cut down Dalsus Heichel, Veshogim, Lamelech Asher. After the, the king of Asher, Lacey, Shir Shalayim, and miraculously he died, and, they all, and the soldiers died, and they all left. But nevertheless, he demanded tribute, and he emptied out all of his treasures. It wasn't enough, so he also took out the doors they were covered with gold. He took these doors and sent them to the king of Asher. They were very unhappy about that. He should have had faith in Hashem and he shouldn't have plundered the, the, the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, to, 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 pay, to pay this tribute. And he also made an Ibiyar. An Ibiyar means he added a month. He made two months of Nisan. And they were not happy because the extra month has to be the month of Adar. The only month you're allowed to add is a month of Adar. The Gemara asks, how is that possible? I mean, less than the Chizkiah. Doesn't Chizkiah hold? It says, This month is the first of the month. The month of Nisan. There's only one month of Nisan. How could he make two Nisans? Ella only He made a mistake in Shmuel. Shmuel said, What happened was, it was really the 30th day of the month of Adar. The question is, on the 30th day of the month of Adar, could you decide to make another Adar? 
So Shmuel says, no, the 30th day of the month of Adar is too late. Why? A month could either be 29 days. A month really is 29 and a half days. So some months are 20, 29 days. And some, you can't have a half a day. So a month is a full day. It has to be full days. So either one month you make 29 days, the other month you make 30 days. So you make up for the two half days. So since theoretically, Adar could be 29 days. Theoretically, the 30th day could be the first day of the month of Nisan. So even if the Bezdin did not yet decide whether the month is going to be a full month, a 29-day, a 30-day month, or a 29-day month, because they, they didn't, the witnesses didn't come yet, they, 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 they didn't see the new moon yet, so they didn't declare it yet for, as, as, as whether it's Rishchaydish. But since theoretically, it could be Rishchaydish, Theoretically, the witnesses could come and say that they saw the moon last night, and therefore the 30th day is the first day of the month of Nisan. So therefore it's too late. You can no longer decide that, even if the witnesses come, we're going to call it the second month of Adam. Since theoretically it already could be the first day of Nisan, and once it's Nisan, it's too late. You can't make it a leap year. You can't make two Nisans. And that's what Shmuel says. And Chizkiah, that was Chizkiah's mistake. It, that's, that's what happened. Not that it was already Nissan and he decided to make a second Nissan. The reason he wanted to add a month because since he purified Israel of all its idols and he gathered the Jewish people to offer a Paschal lamb, they were all impure. So he needed time. He didn't have enough time to purify everyone. So he needed that, 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 that extra month. So he declared an extra month. But he, not that he declared an extra Nissan. He declared an extra Adar. But when he decided to declare an extra Adar, it was the 30th day of Adar. And according to Shmuel, it's too late. And that's why the rabbis were not pleased with what he did. It says he asked for, for, for Hashem's forgiveness, and Hashem forgave him for that. Since it's, it's potentially it could, be, could be established as, as the first day of Nisan. So Chizkiah was of the opinion, Chizkiah was a great Torah scholar. Chizkiah held, yeah, okay, theoretically. But, but we didn't yet declare the month of Nisan. The witnesses didn't come yet. So therefore, he decided before the witnesses came, before the Bezdin, the court decided and declared it was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, he decided right then and there that when the witnesses come, it's going to be the second month of Adar. It's going to be a leap. <laughs> The rabbis were not happy. Whoever hangs in his own schus, then Hashem does it in, in, in the merit of other people. And whoever hangs up in other people's schus, Hashem will hang it in their schus. Moshe pleaded with Hashem, not in his own merit, in the merit of Avram Yitzchak Yakish. And it says, Please remember the merit of Avram Yitzchak Yitzchak. So, what did Hashem say? So, Hashem says that the reason why I answered Moshe, I forgave the Jewish people, was in Moshe's marriage, in Emma. It says until him, Hashem wanted to wipe out the Jewish people. If not for Moshe, his chosen one, Ahmad Baperetz, 
who stood up in this opening, in this breeze, to return Hashem's anger from destroying. So Moshe asked in the merit of the patriarch, and Hashem said, I responded in his merit. Chizkiah, however, Chizkiah was praying to Hashem, Hashem should give him life, to lengthen his life in his own merit. The Tziv, he says, Chorna remembers, I went before you. So Hashem says, Hashem says, I responded to Chizkiah, but not in his merit, in others' merit. I protected the city to help it for my sake in the sake of David so when we Davin I know we invoked the Avos but should we now not say because and try to invoke our own merits for why Hashem should no on the contrary that's the right thing today that's what he's saying you should don't ask in your own merit ask in the merit of the others that's what Moshe did and that's Hashem likes Hashem likes that when you ask for someone else's merit, then Hashem will, will consider that a merit for you. It's interesting that three, the three holy books that were called certain names, that the Jewish people never accepted those names. It was very big names, like Mishnah Torah. The Jewish, no one calls the Rambam Mishnah Torah. The Rambam is called Rambam. You know, uh, the Shalom, uh, Shnei Luches Habris. You know, um, certain names that were just not, not accepted. So, so if a person asks in his own schuz, says Hashem, Hashem will answer in the schuz of others. But Rabbi, asked, yeah. expanding on his question, yeah. what happens if a Rasha prays for mercy, invoking the, the merits of, of uh, the, the Yavos? So why not? It is, it that, is that he, he has no merit or very little merit? No, it doesn't matter. But he's asking in the merit of the... And then but it's going to reflect on what oh. is it? Well, well, so we're talking about a case like Moshe. Moshe did have merit. No, <laughs> and nevertheless, he didn't ask him his own merit. A person who has no merit, all he has is, all he has is, is, is others. Then it's no big deal. We're talking about someone who does have merits, and nevertheless, he doesn't mention his own merits. Instead of mentioning his own merits, he, like Moshe, he mentions the mention. That's what Hashem pleases. That person has no choice. He doesn't have any merits to go. All he has, is, all he has to go on is patrons. Okay. Okay. Um, um, this Rabbi Shomalevi said, "Am Rabbi Shomalevi? My Rabbi Shomalevi says he needs shalom marli mar. Feel the b'shosh shigal akazabor for shalom maruloi. That even when it's peaceful, when Hashem responds to me, it's bitter because Hashem like slaps me in the face. I'm asking my merit. Hashem says, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm going to answer you, but not in your merit. I'm doing it in the merit of your, of your, of your ancestors." Like, he goes back to the story of, of Shanamis and Elisha. That he says, I'm going to make for you Elias Kir Kitana. A second story. Kir Kitana. What is Kir Kitana? Rav Shmuel Chadam It was a second story, but it was open. The Kirua, and she made a roof over it for Elisha. He should have his own room. It was a big room. She made a wall. Kir means a wall. She divided the room in two, so Elisha would have his own room, private room. That's why it says Kir. Kir means a wall. Aliyah, second story. Why Kir? Why is it called Kir? Kir means that she made a roof over it. According to the opinion that it was a second floor, that it was like a roof. And she covered it up, she made it into a second story. That's what it says, Aliyah's kid went up, the second story. Why Aliyah's? It was in the same floor, on the ground floor. It was just a big room. She divided it in half. She gave him the better, 
the better the better one the better room she made it she made it a nice room and it says and she says I'll place for him shamita a bed v'shulchan a table v'kise a chair and a candle. Uh, Torah scholar who wants the benefit, who wants to receive benefit from others, it's allowed. Kalisha, Alisha is, is a good role model. Mm-hmm. He accepted all these benefits from, from the woman, even though he did give something back in, in turn. <laughs> he blessed her and ultimately resurrected her son, so he did pay back for all those kindness. But you're allowed to take with the intention, if you're planning to, 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 to benefit them. But someone who doesn't want to take anything, as it says, someone who hates presents will live. Someone who, I don't want to take anything from anyone. Then, then he doesn't have to benefit, take many benefit. Our role model for that is Shmuel. That uh, Shmuel used to go around, used to travel all around the Jewish people and he used to teach them Torah and at the end he would come back home to his hometown Ramasa Kisham Beise there's his house Shmuel took his house with him he didn't want to benefit from anyone he didn't want to stay in anyone, anyone's house he didn't want to benefit he took with him the table and the bed and the chair that he, he was totally self-sufficient so there's a whole discussion you know it says in the ethics of our fathers whether you're allowed to benefit from 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 Torah. Maimonides holds very strictly of the opinion that a rabbi is not allowed to take a penny from, from the community. Maimonides earned a living as, as a doctor for that reason. He didn't take a penny from the community for being their rabbi. So how does teacher. a rabbi live? Oh, how does a rabbi live? So Maimonides of the opinion, he says the Talmudic rabbis, they all worked. This rabbi was a wood chopper and this yeah. rabbi was a water carrier and this rabbi was a, was a smith because they didn't want to benefit, they didn't want to take a penny from, from the Torah. Uh, the Kassif mission argues and very vociferously, uh, and of course most rabbis voted with their... <laughs> the Hathasayim <laughs> was a grocer. His wife, his, his I think. Wife. And so what, what they did was that and he holds, no, a rabbi, if a rabbi, maybe someone like Maimonides has the ability to be a full-time doctor and to be a full-time uh, teacher and Torah scholar, but most, most people are not as gifted and as talented. So if they have to worry about earning a living, they're not going to have the time and the energy to be able to focus on learning. So of course they're allowed to... We well, had 29 allowed, hours in a day. They're, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're allowed to... Okay. So Yomotra says we have these two role models. Shmuel didn't take a penny from anyone, and Elisha did, did benefit. Also, Elisha was on the road. He was traveling. When a person's on the road, it's different. When you're traveling, it's like, it's like the richest person in the world. When you don't have any money, you're allowed to take tzedakah. If I don't have cash and I'm cash-strapped. So when he's on the road, he doesn't have a place to stay, then, of course, I'm allowed to benefit. It's, it's, it's okay. Shmuel was uh, unusual. It's exceptional. He took his house with him wherever he traveled. Okay, talking about Tamar, Elisha, she said, she said to her husband, the woman of Shanamah, I know that he's a holy man. From here we see, the woman recognizes her guests more so than, 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 her, than the man, than the husband. How does she know? He's holy. How does she know that he's holy? There was never a fly over his table. Because she used to make his bed. Is, is, and she never saw um, semen or, or 
any nocturnal emission. So a person's holiness, holiness is associated with two things in the Torah, eating and, and sexual morality. So she was able to tell when she, he lived with her and she saw how he ate and she saw how he slept. She says, I know that she's a holy, a holy, holy Jew. Who Kaddish? He is holy. He says, Kaddish who? To exclude the Meshar say, Gechazi ain't a Kaddish, is not holy. It says, Gechazi went to push her. She, she came to Elisha to cry. What happened? You promised me a son and my son is dead. So he pushed her away. He grabbed her in the breast. He, he like molested her. He didn't, he didn't just push her. So, because he was not holy. He's constantly passing over us. Whoever hosts a and he benefits him from his own his own uh, uh, um, his own possessions. Hashem considers it as if you've offered a daily sacrifice. He would come to Allah. Person is not allowed to stand in a high place. We spalo when he davens. Ella only we mock him You have to daven in a, in a low place. We spalo. It says me ma makim kadosicha Hashem. From the depth I call out to you Hashem. Tani nami achi. We learn so in the brayso liyamid adam. Person should not stand. Loy al gabe kise not on a chair. Loy al gabe shrafruf and not on a a stool. Loy. You know, we, we, we arrest your feet. Not in a high place we spalas. So the reason he says these examples is because he's telling us two things. Firstly, even something that's permanent, that's permanently attached to the ground, it's solid. But if it's high, it's a high place, it's elevated, it's elevated at least three inches, elevated at least nine inches, a little more than nine inches, you're not allowed to dive in it. You have to stand on the ground. Even if it's less than nine inches, but if it's not solid, it's, a, it's like a chair that's, 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 that's rickety, or a footstool, a footstool, you're not allowed to stand in it because you won't be able to have the proper intent. You're going to be worried that, that you're going to fall off. Hmm. And now, when it says you're not allowed to daven in a high place, it's only if it's not separate. If it's, ha- if it's big enough, if it's wide enough, and it has walls, or if, and if it's a separate, uh, if it's own separate uh, domain, then you could daven in it. The idea is you should have in, in a place a depth out of a sign of humility. What about the bima where it's like because the, the bima has usually the bima has has a wall around it. It's, so, it's like it's own, so yeah, it's on its own domain. But then it's not a problem. The the the, the levium would stand on steps, but they they weren't davening. They would stand on steps to to sing. You know that's a different thing. But davening that has to be in a low place. Um, what about the Bachram in 770? Standing on the benches, on the, on the bleachers. <laughs> oh. You know, firstly, the, the bleach, a lot of the bleachers also have like things demarking it, you know, it's like the demarcation. But if you have no choice, you know. <laughs> um, oh, it says. Why? Why don't you dive in? Why must you dive in a low place? There's no heights in front of Hashem. You have to approach Hashem like a poor person with humility. 
You have to place your feet together. Just like the angels. The angels have two feet, but their feet are one. They're, they're together. So too, we have to be, have place our feet together. And also when we say Kedusha, uh, we say we're like the angels, like just like the angels, so we place our feet together. Meaning the angels are not split in two. We are split in half. We have a Yetzatayv, we have a Yetzahara. We're conflicted, we're split down the middle. The angels are all on the same page. They're unified, they're one. They're, they, they don't have a Yetzahara. So when we stand Shemin Esrei, when we stand davening in front of Hashem, we're like the angels. We're completely, we're humbled, we're silent, we're completely one, and um, so we place our feet together. Literally, it means don't eat, don't eat blood. Why do you say Before you pray for your own blood, for your own health, for your own well-being, for your own life, don't eat. It's arrogant. Before you dive into Hashem, you're going to eat. Whoever eats and drinks. And then he sits down to daven. All of our of Eimer. Him, the Pasuk says, And me, you threw behind your body. It's both. Your body and its arrogance. When by feeding the body, you show, first, before you feed, you nourish your neshama, before you talk to Hashem, it's an act of arrogance. After he was so arrogant and thought about himself, then he accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven. So, you're allowed to drink water. There's no question of drinking water. The question is of drinking coffee or tea. However, a person who has any illness or sickness, of course, Allah says you're allowed to eat. And Allah also says that if a person will not be able to concentrate, even though today we assume that nobody is really concentrating, period, when it comes to davening, no one even knows the meaning of what they're saying. But nevertheless, if a person wants to focus and wants to concentrate, and in order to focus and concentrate, you have to eat, to give you the strength, it says clearly in Al-Tarebbe that you're allowed to eat. And Hasidim eat, Hasidim take a piece of cake. Is it help if you daven a little bit and then eat, as opposed to not davening at all? Because at least you can so some say, say right, I daven right. a little so some, bit. Some say, some say they daven the brachas, or it's right. like Shemun Esra, so you started. But the Allah is not like that. The Allah is that you have to, you're not allowed to eat before davening. Um, How much time? But what? How much time between not eating and, and no, davening? Davening has to be the first thing on the agenda. You don't eat till after you daven. So you get up at 3 in the morning. Well, no, before dawn is not a problem. When, when the time that you could daven. Uh, okay. from, the, from the time you could daven. But Hasidim, since Hasidim don't just daven, Hasidim learn, learn, learn before davening. Learn Hasidim. And then the davening takes a long time. So to have the strength to be able to, be able to daven, the Rebbe says clearly in Shulchan you can, you can have something, you can have a piece of cake or coffee to give you the strength to be able to daven. Dr. Rabbi Shur, Rabbi Shur says in the Mishnah, Rabbi Shur says, till when do you read the Shema? At Gimel Shois, till three hours in the morning. Amr Rabbi Huda Meshmul, Allah is like Rabbi Halachik Rabbi Yeshua. Allah is like Rabbi Yeshua. You can daven up until three hours into the morning. You can say the Shema up until three hours in the morning. Then he says, whoever reads from now on and, and, and on, he didn't lose anything. As long, but he can't say, yes, he can, can say the Shema, and he can even say the blessings, but he can't say, he created light, the morning has already passed. I'll ask you a question. But he can make all three blessings. 
It's a question, and the answer is yes. You could, you could say the yitzur. You get amri. Others say amra kizam maruka maile hifsir shlifsir brachas. He interprets. What does the mission mean? You didn't lose. Not that you didn't lose the opportunity to say the shema. Of course. Why shouldn't I say the shema? It's, it's reading the Torah. I can learn Torah, study Torah twenty four seven. But he means to say I didn't lose the blessings. You shouldn't think it's a blessing in vain. You're not allowed to say a blessing in vain. So he says no. You can you can say the blessings. We also learn this way. Whoever reads from now on didn't lose God. Now, to when? Okay, you missed the three hours. Is there any time limit? So there's an argument. Some say that it, it only mean, it means it means only till you could, the time to daven. The time to davening is longer than the time to reach Shema. We're going to learn later. You can daven, according to one opinion, you can daven until four hours in the morning, a third of the day. And according to rabbis, you can daven until noontime. So whatever opinion holds, you can daven. If you follow the opinion, you can daven until four hours. I can continue to read the Shema with the blessings only until four hours. That's the same as You only allowed to say the blessings until a third of the day. Uh, according to the opinion that you can daven until noontime, then you can say the blessings until noontime. Maimonides is the only one, is the old, uh, sole opinion that says you can say the Shema and the blessings all day. Mm-hmm. And the Kesef Mishnah says, why? How can you say that? What's the connection of reading Shema? What's the point of reading Shema in the afternoon? <laughs> I, can, I can understand you're reading Shema till the noontime because it's still a time of davening, it's still the, day, the morning. But, but in the afternoon, so the, the Kesef Mishnah says, says, says something novel. That according to Maimonides, when it says, B'shoch b'cha, just like we said, B'shach means not when you go to sleep. B'shach means while you're sleeping, which is all night. And according, according to Rabbi Shem Ba'ichoy, till, till dawn, when most people are still sleeping. So too, when it says, when you, not, B'kumecha does not mean when you wake up. B'kumecha means while you're up, meaning all day. So biblically, you're really obligated to read the Shema all day. The day Shema. The rabbi said, only when you wake up. This is a novel interpretation. That, uh, so according to the Rambam, if you say Shema at five in the afternoon, you're getting the mitzvah for saying the morning Shema? The day Shema. Depends what time according, the according, yeah. according to the Kesef Mishnah's interpretation of the Rambam. Yes, it's a very novel interpretation. Everyone else disagrees and says, no, you can't compare B'Shach B'cha B'Shach clearly means when you're sleeping. Because B'shach b'cha is an activity that you're doing the whole time. B'shach b'cha, you can say the whole time you're sleeping, horizontal, b'shach b'cha, I'm lying down. Ubukumecha is, is a one time when you wake up. That's when you're standing up. You can't say all day, Ubukumecha, I'm standing up all day. Because in theory, so, you can lie down during the day too. Yeah, bukumecha, right? Bukumecha, bukumecha means literally when you're getting up. That's the meaning of the word bukumecha. Bashapha can mean when I lie down. Because that activity continues the whole night, the same activity. I'm doing the same thing all night. Bukumecha, I'm not doing the same thing all night, all day. I get up and then I, I, I go about my day. So here, it means bukumecha while you, according to everyone, it means while you're waking up. Not while you're going, to, not while you're up. Okay, let's finish till the Mishnah. Um, Ramani, Ramani says, God Greater someone who reads Krishna in time than even studying Taira. How do we know this? It says, Better to read Shman time. But if you didn't read the Shman time, at least, at least the secondary level is you have the advantage of reading Taira. Taisa's asked, what, what, what exactly are you trying to tell me? Are you telling me that 
Shema pushes off learning Torah. That it's greater to read Shema than to learn Torah. Reading not only reading Shema pushes off learning Torah, even davening pushes off learning Torah. So surely Shema, which is biblical, surely it pushes off Torah. So Taisu says it comes to teach us, we're not talking about, we're not discussing it, that Shema is greater than learning Torah, meaning if you have an option of learning Torah, reading Shema, push off reading the Torah and learning Torah and read the Shema. No, it means in general, in general, in general, in general, the, the advantage of reading Shema is so great that it has a greater merit than someone who learns Torah the rest of the day. But others say, no, it is coming to teach us, because you would think, Ha'isik b'tayda. means you're engaged in tayda, in the depth of tayda. If you're studying tayda very deeply, just to read the Shema, even though Shema is also tayda, it's not the same. I'm just reading the Shema. When you study tayda, the mitzvah of studying tayda is not just studying tayda, reading the words. The mitzvah of studying tayda has to engage your mind to the maximum of your capacity, of your mental and intellectual capacity. So you would think that studying Studying Torah, when you're studying Torah, you're studying Torah to the maximum of your potential in depth, should take precedence over reading the Shema. I'm just reading the words. Because no, reading the Shema is even greater. Mm -hmm. Because you're doing the mitzvah and you're accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. But when you do it in time, you do it in the proper time. That is the, the yoke of heaven, when you do it in the proper time, when Allah says you should do it. <laughs> what kind of reading Shema, what kind of yoke of heaven when you, when you slept in and you, and you missed the Shema? That's not exactly you're accepting upon yourself. You know, but nevertheless, it's better than nothing. So at least, oh, at least it's like you're reading Torah. Okay, I, the Mishnah will do with tomorrow's daf. The Mishnah starts